Hey there, welcome to Cageless, a conversation podcast about experiential wisdom and personal hope. I'm Jenny Johnson. I'm a writer and I'm asking experts, thought leaders, and my friends to share their knowledge and tools on how they found freedom. Hello, everyone. So excited to be here today. My guest is someone I think you're probably the first person that I've interviewed from as far away as you are (laughs) in terms of origin. Today, we have on Mr. Oliver, who is the host and creator of the Earful Tower podcast. He is originally Australian, but he's been in Paris since 2015. Um, He's married. He has a kid. Um, and he runs one of the the biggest travel podcasts in the world, amongst other things. Hi, Oliver. Hello. How you doing? I'm so good. Thanks for coming on today. My pleasure. My Happy pleasure. to be here. Happy to be here. Yeah. We were just talking before we started recording that there is a really wonderful construction going on outside of my uh, Parisian apartment. We are both in Paris, just not in the same same area which where are you located i'm i'm in the seventh hour this one i can't hear the construction behind you so maybe uh maybe it's not so bad yeah. that's great and how did you end up in that area because as we'll probably get into um paris each area is very different yeah well we were living in montmartre before so for people who aren't familiar with it that's like winding roads cobblestones narrow you know, everything's narrow and pokey and small. And uh, we lived on the top floor with no elevator. And uh, then when we knew a baby was coming along, we realized that we needed something a bit more comfortable, a bit more space. And we didn't want to carry a stroller up five, six flights of steps every day. So we um, we didn't really choose the seventh hour and this one. It's sort of, that's kind of how it goes in Paris, at least for us. It's sort of It just fell into our lap. And this district is way grander, big, wide avenues and sidewalks. And uh, it feels to me that there is an elevator in every apartment block. So, uh, you know, we were pretty sold on it from the beginning. So uh, that's how we ended up here. We didn't choose it. It just just sort of just fell there and we took it. And we've been here for two years now. That's also no small feat. I know that a lot of the Parisians or people that have lived in Paris tend to move around until they find like the perfect neighborhood or the perfect apartment. But you you came from Australia originally. Are you from a like bigger city, a bigger area? Yeah, I sort of moved all around Australia, so I don't even really know where I'm like from. That sounds I realize that sounds weird, but like we moved every couple of years. So I grew up on one side and then was uh, like a teenager on the other side. And so a mix of cities. We lived on a farm at one point with cows and everything. So I don't like, honestly, under the age of 20, I don't know who I am. But since then, I've lived in big cities like London, Stockholm and Paris. So I suppose that makes me a city person. But it's weird because I felt like I felt like I was quite comfortable on farms and so on. But when I, I went back to Australia recently, I found that I kept thinking there could be a snake there somewhere. But when I was a kid, I probably didn't think about that almost at all. So I don't know. I guess you're always changing, right? Yeah. The way that your like brain works in conjunction with the location that you're in is is crazy. Like I just came. I've been traveling for the past year, but. I have started walking much more, obviously, around the city. And I'm like, 
where am I going to find like grass for my dog to pee? Like, mm-hmm. where am I going to find sunshine? Like all of these things that you don't really think about if you're in a different location. But you mentioned that you have lived in several different countries, continents. How did you start traveling going from being from Australia? Um, I traveled. I did what a lot of Australians do. And as soon as I finished studying, I just I just went. And um, I guess my dad traveled an awful lot uh, when he was younger. And my mom, who was from England, she ended up living in Australia. So it was not really a foreign idea to me to, to travel around. And then so I was in my early 20s and I just I booked a one way ticket to uh, Arusha in Tanzania. And from from New Zealand, where I was, had been spending a bit of time, and I just got a ticket to there, and then I had bought another ticket out of Nairobi, something like three months later, and then I just went and traveled around East Africa with no real agenda, and then I uh, got to London, and I was, I know a lot of people say they were broke, I was properly properly broke, like I rocked up in London with twenty pounds that someone had, a kind soul had given to me in in Tanzania, and then. I didn't even know where to go or what to do from there. Like I just looked up some relatives because my mom is British and then I figured it out. And then sort of that was, I guess that sort of jumping in the deep end idea didn't terrify me. And when it comes to moving to Paris, which I did, I don't know, it must have been five years later, I moved to Paris and it wasn't perhaps as intimidating as it might be for other people who've not done that kind of thing before, you know? So um yeah 2015 i i took a one-way ticket down here for a job and i'm still here no joke and did you know growing up that you that you wanted to travel or like was this like a completely different trajectory of like because because freelancing and or or like working as a like creative not for like a huge corporation isn't something that a lot of people I at least in my experience have been like yeah I want to do that because it can be scary like you can you don't work for someone else you work for yourself did you know Mm. that you always wanted to do that no but I knew that I wanted to I knew that I was really interested in traveling and that's probably I'm sure that's because my dad would say you know point out things or point out things on maps or see things on tv and then I remember when I was going through university I worked in a bookshop and I was really the most taken by consider all the books that there were it was like the lonely planet guides that really got me excited like the new ones would come in and i'd go to put them on the shelf and i'd be like india yeah india maybe india you know and I've, i had that feeling i was really it was it was strong and then um so i traveled a, like an awful lot and then continually i worked in london and when i could i just went down to europe and explored spent all the money that i earned in london doing that and so on and so on and um, as for working, the first job I got was as a journalist. And I did that for a handful of years in Stockholm and Paris. And then it was kind of the, it wasn't what you said, really. It was more like, I didn't aspire to be a freelancer or aspire to do my own thing. I was quite, I was, I was in a company doing a full-time job. But it was after having done that, that I wanted to do my own thing. It was, it was like, I said it before, but um I figured I was living in Paris, this fascinating city where I wanted to see how everything was, how it worked. And the problem was I was working nine to five, Monday to Friday. I never had the chance to see things like if the local bakery was busy at Wednesday at 10 in the morning. I had no idea. Like, what is the, what do the popular streets look like on a Thursday afternoon? Can you get a seat in that cafe? I I had no idea. And I was like, this is silly. Like, I want to know this city. 
And so long story short, I'd started a radio show on the side of this journalism gig and it picked up. Like looking back, it picked up pretty quickly. And then I just threw everything in and I took a huge leap to to try and make it a full-time job. I just wanted minimum wage. That was my goal. And then and now it's a company and now it's a full-on, you know, now this is this is me. Here we are. And uh, the Earful Tower, for those of you that that don't know, um, I will make sure to link all of their information in the show notes, but it is an extremely helpful collective of information um, on on the internet. They have podcast, Instagram, YouTube of just like, it, it's not like the very uh, cliche Pinterest type advice of the city, as Oliver was mentioning. It's like when you come to a city of such like rich culture and experience, you want to experience it, not just watch it. You know, like I think Mm -hmm. as Anthony Bourdain says, he's like, don't like be a traveler, don't be a tourist. And so Mm -hmm. did you find how did you like find yourself wanting to create the Earful Tower with with your wife? Because you guys do it together. Yeah, well, she sort of came in to the picture later, really. Like, I just wanted to, like, I kind of just wanted to meet people who were who were doing interesting things, like people who'd written books or people who, like tour guides, I found them to be really interesting in those early days because they'd sort of mastered this city that I found really intriguing. And I, I just interviewed, I just wanted to learn myself. And I, I think I was pretty naturally curious and I think people who listen to podcasts like to feel that they've got someone guiding them along who's not afraid to, um, you know, explain things if, you know, spell things out a little bit as well as reveal whole new sides. And like you said, there's a lot of people doing the Pinterest side of Paris. And I realized from the very, I mean, I knew before I started the podcast that there's enough people doing that. So I always wanted to just take it one level deeper, which, which you know, they those pictures that you see beautiful instagram accounts of the eiffel tower at sunset that's great like there's there's plenty of space for that on the internet but if you just scratch beneath that surface there is a there's an awful lot and you can really like i mean you don't need to scratch you can get out uh you can get out a, a spade and really get deep like deep deep literally underground there's so much going on in this city beyond that stuff so i got no problem with the people that that share all the beautiful pictures and nothing else of paris because uh you know that's totally legit but I'm much more interested, especially after doing it for six, seven years now, I'm way more interested in, you know, what's underneath that surface. Yeah. Yeah. And so you tell me a little bit about like your process of like, because you have been here for a while, what what do you like? How can you decide like what area to pick or like what things to talk about? Like, does your audience tell you like we want to know a little bit more about this? Or like, do you kind of go like scratch your own itch? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I could talk, I could discuss this for a really long time because I don't even know. Like, like there's an example of there's these like doors, and they have um the doors in Paris are really magical. They're fantastic. Sometimes they've got ornate, intricate details and whatever. And um, sometimes I, I find myself taking pictures of them. And if I share them and if um, people respond well to them, it makes me go, okay, if I see another good door, I'll share it. So on a really deeper level, I don't know if that means that people are influencing me by reacting positively to things or if it's my own itch that I'm scratching. And, like, and eventually you don't know. I have no idea. And I've, I think about it kind of often whether I'm doing it because I know people will like it or whether it's 
because I'm legitimately interested or both or neither or whatever. Um, but the simple answer is, and I give you a really good tangible example. If I see something that I am interested in, I'll go in on it. So uh, about a week ago, I was walking down Rue de Beaune, which is in the 7th arrondissement. And I looked through a window amongst all these antique shops and there was a shop that just was selling canes, like walking stick canes. And uh, I, I said to my wife, I was like, I was like, I wonder what the story is there. Like, how do they have a thousand antique canes? How did that happen? And then I said, you know what? I'm just going to go in and ask her. And I went in, talked really briefly uh, and said, look, this is fascinating. I'd love to feature you on my show. And I said, I said to her, like, look, look up what I do so you know I'm not crazy. You know, I don't want them to think I'm, I'm going to steal a business idea or whatever. I said, look up what, what I do. I'm going to email you and uh, hopefully we can organize something. And then I think it was the very next day I was back in there with a photographer on my microphone. And I did this big episode about this woman, this intriguing woman with a thousand canes. And uh, if canes don't sound interesting, like these are the canes where there's a a pistol inside one or like a violin inside not like this or blow darts or whatever like it was just fascinating so this is a city that has a million such stories and um in terms of finding finding them it's it's just as easy as walking down the street looking through the windows and having an ounce of curiosity in your blood and and it's there to be taken and you i you mentioned like being a journalist beforehand i guess that that makes sense like you kind of have to have a little bit of curiosity to explore any city otherwise you are just going to go you know see the eiffel tower like you're going to go to like the very i, I don't like the word cliche because I also don't really believe in guilty pleasures because I think they're good. Like, I think they mm. are what they are for a reason. Sure. But it's also really interesting to be able to, you know, kind of create your own stories. I think of like the cliche, like Midnight in Paris, like you mm. don't have to live in like the really old stories. Uh, you can kind of like create your own adventures. Um, sure. So has Paris been because you've been here for almost 10 years now? which that I've also been learning that that's kind of rare. I've been here for three weeks and I'm still kind of struggling. But do you find yourself wanting to explore, like deep dive any other countries or do you feel like you kind of like, this is your home now? Yeah, I don't know. That's another impossible one to answer quickly. But like before, um, before the pandemic, I was really geared up to go and start a like a, a side, like a sister site, a sister podcast in Italy. I was really into the idea. And it was just when the Eiffel Tower was starting to take off. And um, well, then COVID sort of put the brakes on it. And then since then, like we've had a, we had a, a, a son. And um, I don't know, this, the Paris arm of it has really grown. So I sort of put that on the distant back shelf. I tried for a while. I did one season of the podcast about Sweden, sort of as a way to test if it would work in other countries. It was really encouraging, but um, I think it needs a big team to really spread like that. And there's a lot of questions involved, like, do I would I have to host it? I can't host a podcast in every single city in the world. And also, there's a there's the element of like I am legitimately really interested in in things here, and and there'd be I think there'd be sort of a It'd be, it wouldn't be genuine of me asking some of those kind of questions in other countries because maybe I would have just read it somewhere. It wouldn't be the same kind of, I've seen this on a daily walk and wondered about it. I don't know. So um, 
I don't know is the answer, but but it's it's in Paris for now, and I'm I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah. And so, what as a uh, podcaster creator, what does like an everyday in your life like look like? Yeah, it's um, it's it is weird because sometimes the things that like it probably sounds extremely glamorous i know it does because people say that to me that it that it sounds like a very glamorous life because it's true that i go i get to go and do really cool things like i get uh like a really fun example is there's a chateau called um chateau Vaux-le-Vicomte, which is just outside of paris and it's kind of like versailles but it's the little brother of versailles maybe and uh the guy that owns it like you should look it up this place is amazing the guy that owns it just uh invited me out there and he's like uh what do you want to see and i was like everything and i got to go out there and me and my wife are out there when there wasn't a single tourist at all and he just showed us the owner of the place was just showing us everything he's like you want to go to the dome on the top of the chateau you want me to drive you out and turn on the fountains and like you sort of these pinch yourself moments i'm like how did this happen how is this my job and all that I'm expected to do is like interview him and take some videos and, and like those kind of things. Or even the cane lady this week, last week, just that she wants to take the time to show me 50 gadget canes and all the cool things inside it. Like it's, it's, it's I get to do exactly what I like. And that's very cool and glamorous. But obviously, as you'll find out as your time in, in France continues, there are a lot of headaches. Like starting a, starting a company in an administrative nightmare country like france in an in a nightmare language like french there's it's no walk in the park at all like there's so much going on behind the scenes that's zero glamorous like zero glamorous and and you know we do a lot of work like behind the scenes we make books and children's books and we self-publish them and it's so awesome like this morning literally this morning i loaded up boxes of our children's books on my scooter and i scooted under the Louvre to deliver a big order of books. And that was like, part of it is that's the coolest thing ever. And then another part of it is, you know, then I have to sit there and write out the invoice and chase up other invoices in French. And I'm like, what am I doing? This is like, so there's a, there's a huge, you know, the things that you see on Instagram or TikTok or, or the podcast are often the cool things and the fun things. But there's, there's you know, I don't want to make it sound like I'm just walking on clouds here. There's, it's, there's a lot of work that, that goes into making something like this happen. And like being an entrepreneur in a different, I mean, being an entrepreneur, period, being a creative entrepreneur, being a creative entrepreneur in a different country. I I have gotten questions and people are like, how do you like do that? And I'm I'm still kind of like, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea yeah. what I'm doing. I'm still figuring it out. It must be luck. It must be luck. I don't know. It must be. Or just, I think, a lot of the combination of luck and a lot of hard work. You, you, yeah, uh, of course. yeah. I, I'm trying to think who, who said, I think Carrie Washington, uh, created a, some sort of like, uh, um, uh, I think it was a speech and she was like, you know, like opportunity is like, you know, like a bus, like, yeah, the bus has to come, but you also like have to be able to get on it. Like you physically mm. have to walk onto it. So like mm. being prepared to, to do meet the opportunity with your hard work or like mm. with whatever creativity and talent that you have. Um, mm. I was checking out your YouTube page and like, I went to your very, very first video that was what, like five or six years ago. And uh -huh. I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, first of all, he looks so young. 
Second of all, you were already like, it's not like you, you like your skills were already so developed and like good at that point. And what was just, the first video? What was it? You were saying like five things that like you, if like you, if you can't talk in French, you need to know these five. Oh, uh, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Okay. And yeah, you said okay. something like, like uh, moving your lips like a horse. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny that I didn't even know that that was the first one. But that, I mean, like, I don't think about this stuff. But if it seemed that it was developed, it's it's surely because I was doing journalism for four or five years before that. And you sort of touched on that before. Like, that really helped because it, it um, taught me the value of, like, a good story, finding a story, like, knowing how to ask people questions to get that story and uh, working hard into a deadline uh, and also something that I think is super important that many people on the internet don't get is like the importance of being able to write clearly and succinctly but especially for like a headline and a headline in a newspaper is something that they it, sometimes it takes them longer to write than an article right and it and it like from that I think I learn everything like when I'm doing an Instagram caption or something like even if I'm not thinking about it, I've been trained to to use the right words to catch people's attentions through through uh, journalism so I, I assume a lot of those skills uh you know are still there for me to make the most of but obviously it's in a subconscious way like i'm not sitting there going what would i do if it was a newspaper article or something but but it all helps and um it's it's you know it's fortunate that i could hit the ground running with videos like that because it really those early ones were what built an audience that that hung around yeah, no kidding. And you do. You have a very, uh, a very supportive audience, a very active audience that I've been able to, like I said, as as I've moved here, I've kind of jumped in, and I'm like, oh, this is such a helpful guide, and I'm such a research girl that I I look for the best possible tips and tricks, and and Oliver's have seemed to be the most helpful and supplemental to my time here in France. So can't recommend this page enough. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, well, Oliver, thank you for, for taking time to talk to us. And um, it's been such a pleasure to talk about, about travel and about a little bit of your experience here in Paris. Um, one last question for you that I love to ask all of our guests is if you could tell yourself anything, your younger self anything today, what would you tell him before you moved to Paris? Um, I think I wish... If I could talk to him, how old is he, this younger version of myself? Let's say 10 years. He's 10 years old? He's 10 years younger than you are today. Okay, okay, okay. I'd say, um, okay, I'd say, I'd say, Oliver, you're going to have to be patient. Learn now how to be patient because growing a company or figuring things out with, like we just talked about before, French administration or whatever, these, a lot of these things are banging your head against the wall frustrating and uh, I think the only way to deal with them is patience and so if I could have taught my my 10 year younger self to implement more patience in his life I think it would make a big difference still today I, I'd tell myself that because I think you I think I think a lot of people lack it including me and uh, yeah I hope I'd like to hope that when <laughs> he got to my age now he'd be a really calm zen passive happy guy maybe not passive but like figured everything out and uh yeah that would be the lesson be more patient no kidding but like also paris i think is a great place to learn that as fast as the city is 
it is so difficult, at least someone from the West, to get things done, like with the American state of mind that's like, if you're five minutes late, you're insulting me and like we're, our meeting is canceled. Here, you're 30 minutes mm. late. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm having a cigarette. It's fine. It's true. They, it, like what I said goes for, for um, the, the starting a company or dealing with admin, but it also goes with, the, with, like you just said, with France and French people and the, the pace uh it makes a big difference and it, it especially when you're a foreigner and you're um like i'm slowing people down if i'm going to call up someone and, and ask them questions or ask about an invoice or something i'm like the stupid foreigner and i'm aware of that and i'm by doing that i'm asking people to be patient with me so the least i could do is be patient for everybody as well so um yeah Great to implement in every part of our life is patience in Paris. <laughs> ah, yes. Well, thank you, Oliver. We appreciate your time. And everyone, as I mentioned, I will make sure to link all of the Earful Towers information in our show notes. And please follow along. Um, listen to the Earful Tower uh, on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your streaming services. And we will see you next time on Cageless. Thanks so much for having me, Jenny. Yes, thanks. Bye.